You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bashet. Welcome into episode number one of the Immaculate Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Ed Bouchette. You've been reading Ed's work for decades, we will say, Ed. And now people get a chance to hear your voice to go along with it. And on the podcast, we're going to be doing this twice a week. You'll be on once a week, usually on Mondays. So a lot of times it'll be reaction to the game. But I am so excited to be a part of this podcast. Um, Hopefully you are too. Yeah, Tim, and if you save this first uh, podcast, episode one, in a few years, it'll be worth a whole lot of money. Yeah, right. That's the plan, um, is is to make these uh, super valuable over time. Uh, so to get into things on this one, we're going to talk about, obviously, where this team stands. Uh, two preseason games down, two to go before the big season opener against the New England Patriots. We'll talk about the overall kind of vibe at camp so far. Um, we'll touch on... The tragic passing of Daryl Drake, and we'll talk about depth. I think that's a big deal with this team. But let's start with, I think, the vibe overall. Because you think back to 2018, and so much was made of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and the -the off-the-field issues that went with those two guys throughout that whole season. Now that's all gone. Is it a note? Was it a noticeable difference through training camp? Oh, there was yes. Very much so. I mean, the last two training camps, Tim, they had to deal with the absence of Le'Veon Bell. You know, uh, two years ago, he didn't show up at all uh, in the spring or training camp. And then he did show up uh, six days before the first regular season game. And then, of course, last year he didn't show up at all. So it was an ongoing thing with Le'Veon Bell. Is he? Is he not? When is he? You know, and, and, and that was a distraction in itself. Antonio Brown was not a distraction much uh, last year other than his normal stuff, you know, throwing Gatorade coolers and stuff like that. But then at the end of the year, it became a real issue, as everyone knows, and he's no longer here. And I think it's helping them also watching what's going on in Oakland with him right now and a relief that he's not, you know, pulling all those antics here. Um, But it was more of a... A quiet camp, uh, you know, I call it a kumbaya camp. Um, And then, you know, the unfortunate death of Daryl Drake just kind of threw everything off its rails in that last week. You mentioned Brown and what's going on with the Raiders, and it it has continued on. It was the foot issue with the the frozen foot and then the helmet, and he doesn't want to wear the the new helmets. He wants to stick with his old helmet, which is no longer allowed. Uh, Mike Mayock of the Raiders, who's dealing with that now, uh, spoke about it a little bit over the weekend. Let's hear from Mike Mayock and what he has to say right now about Antonio Brown. So here's the bottom line. He's upset about the helmet issue. Uh, we have supported that. We appreciate that. Okay, but we've at this point we've pretty much exhausted all avenues of relief. So from our perspective, it's time for him to be all in or all out. Okay, so we're hoping he's back soon. We got 89 guys busting their tails. We are really excited about where this franchise is going, and we hope AB is going to be a big part of it starting Week One against Denver. End of story. No questions. Okay. So, do you listen to the Raiders GM there? Do you have kind of flashbacks to just things that happened over the years uh, with the Steelers, or at least late last season, and, and the team having to deal with him? 
Well, you know, Antonio never missed anything until last year. Right. Um, it's it's just like uh, it was it was almost like not a different person, but you know, he was always first one off the field, last one off. Didn't miss workouts. Never missed practice. Now he'd be late to things at times, but you know, nothing like this. Nothing. So um, it it there no there not flashbacks so much as uh, you just wonder what's going on with this uh, this guy. He's, you know, so much talent, has accomplished so many things, and um, it, it's it's like watching a train wreck. And it's you, you thought maybe it would change in, in Oakland. In fact, I had predicted many times that he would be a, um, a um, – a, a, a good pupil out there and want to prove to everyone that it wasn't him, it was the Steelers, but he's showing that that's just the opposite. Yeah, and the Steelers look smarter and smarter for being able to get something for him in the trade, but it does bring up the question and what I wanted to get into next, Ed, and that is filling that void because you mentioned all the talent. He's absolutely one of the best receivers in the game when he's right and when his, he's focused, and the Steelers do need to find a way to somehow – fill that production now the number one spot I think seems like it's a good spot right Juju Smith-Schuster has was so good last year 111 catches over 1400 yards the seven touchdowns Um, he moves into that number one spot he's going to get more attention do you think that factors in at all or is he going to be able to overcome you know the the more double teams the the extra focus from a defense and be able to put up great numbers again well that is the biggest question still Tim on him um, he'll still be an outstanding receiver, but yeah, he's going to attract more attention. So it's up to some of the other guys, as it was with Juju originally, to take that heat off Antonio Brown. Now some of these other others have to. And, you know, they signed Dante Moncrief, a veteran who's been around with Indianapolis and Jacksonville. Uh, he looked really good in the spring and started out good in training camp. Then he had a finger issue. Um, and it, it kind of, uh, well, it did. It thwarted his progress in that offense, and he lost a fumble the other night on the only ball he caught for a yard. Um, so he has a little ways to go yet. Um, James Washington looks like the, 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 the kid that um, they thought they got in the second round last year, and he, he's had real good uh, preseasons. He's had uh, a, a second good game this year, and, you know, they are expecting – a lot more out of him. They didn't get a lot as a rookie. I think he only caught 16 passes. Um, but he um, he's a you know a second year guy now, and they they're hoping he comes on. And then um, the rookie Deontay Johnson. You saw him. Uh, he caught two touchdown passes. One was uh, canceled because he pushed off slightly. But uh, those the moves he put on that defensive back was just outstanding and. You know, you can't count on rookies a lot, but maybe he he can help fill in the gaps. And then, you know, there's slot receivers too, uh, veterans Ryan Switzer and Eli Rogers that factor into this, not to mention tight end Vance McDonald. So collectively, Tim, that's how they're going to have to replace Antonio Brown. You know, uh, it's not going to be just one receiver. It seems like they like, obviously, the veteran nature of Dante Moncrief and what he brings as far as experience. But in your mind, seeing him this summer so far and James Washington 
by the time we get to maybe week four or five of the regular season, does James Washington have a chance of being the number two guy on this team, or do you think they're going to keep the pressure off him by leaving him as the third receiver? Uh, well, they, you know, they can mix and match, and there might not be a true number two. Um, they use a lot of three wide receivers, four wide receivers, and since they don't have a good number, backup tight end, I think you're going to see more of that this year. Uh, whereas maybe in a the past they'd have two tight ends out there. I, I think you're going to see one a lot more and them put more res- wide receivers out there. So uh, it's going to be up to Moncrief and, and Washington how that all works out. You know, um, talent will rise and the best one will play more and catch probably more passes from Ben Roethlisberger. So the wide receiver situation, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, You mentioned Daryl Drake and obviously the tragic passing of the wide receivers coach towards the end of training camp, and it had a huge effect, and there's a lot of stories out on The Athletic that have been written so far. Um, I don't want to go deep into the details of this, Ed, but just as far as something like this, happening at the beginning of a season when a team is all together in the dorm situation at training camp. Um, They're going to be wearing the DD patch on the back of the helmet. Is this something that you think can have a big effect on a team throughout the season? I mean, they're not going to, Daryl Drake's never going to be far from these players' mind, I would think, throughout this entire season. Yeah, and I talked to some people about that who experienced some past deaths and Steelers training camps. It was years ago, but um, you know, you either um, you either go in a tank or you go out and play. And I think these guys showed us um, Saturday night that they're going to go out and play. James Washington, as I mentioned, and um, and the rookie Deontay Johnson each had really good games. Both talked about Drake and how he's going to be with them throughout the season. And I think that is the attitude you're going to see. I think. You know, it, it it's more um, coming together, I think, than than forcing them apart, and you know, uh, to the point where it's going to affect their play. I, I don't see that at all. What did you think of the way Mike Tomlin handled the entire situation? He, I mean, this is something that it seems like he's the type of leader that is able to kind of rise to the occasion in a terrible circumstance like this. Yeah, and he did, and he has, and he will continue to do so, Tim. But I, I think most football coaches in this league would be able to uh, to handle this kind of thing. You know, um, they've gone through a lot throughout their careers, um, and uh, I'm I'm just thinking back to Bill Cowher and Chuck Knoll, the two guys I also covered here. I I think they would have handled it expertly as well. Yeah, and, and it will continue to be a factor with this team. You, they'll see it on the helmets, and, and I'm sure they'll be, they'll be talked throughout the season, and it'll be a rallying point for this team. All right, other things to get to as this team gets closer to preseason game number three. We have to touch on Big Ben. He's not getting any younger, Ed, um, and he is expected to play in game three. So let's focus in on the quarterback position as a whole here for a little bit. You have a story on The Athletic just this morning, Ed, about Ben and the fact that maybe this preseason is a preseason he could just sit out and maybe a few other players should join him um, in certain positions on this team. Just share why you don't think Ben needs any reps during this training camp. You know, he'll get two or three series at most against Tennessee uh, Sunday night. 
And Tim, what, what, what is that going to do for him and for the team, playing two or three series? Someone mentioned to me, well, he needs to get used to the speed of the game. Ha! He's, <laughs> he's in his 16th season. He knows what the speed of the game is. He's been practicing. It's not like he's just been over there watching the whole time. He's been practicing. You put him out there, and they will put him out there. I have little doubt about that. Um, and there's some, you know, young linebacker who is on the bubble for the Titans and, you know, is trying to do his best to make the team. Surely sacking Ben Roethlisberger one or two times would help him. Um, so I, I see really no tangible benefit from putting Ben Roethlisberger out there. It can only, it can only be a bad thing, but they'll yeah. do it. <laughs> they will and and uh yeah and hopefully he will get through it and not be injured and and get the ball out quickly and move on and they can get over to these uh the the rest of the depth chart as far as receiver goes which is certainly interesting um mason rudolph and josh dobbs you have there um game two you look at the numbers rudolph 10 for 15 77 yards dobbs 6 for 11 95 yards he did throw an interception um, what do you make of the the situation behind Big Ben? If something does happen to him at some point this season, he has to miss time. Is there confidence in these guys? I think there is uh, to a point. Uh, maybe not uh, when they had Charlie Batch in his prime as the backup here, but um, because Batch had been a starter in this league with the Detroit Lions. Um, but I think it's going to be Mason Rudolph. I, I I'm pretty sure it's going to be Mason Rudolph as number two. Um, he's so far he's had a better preseason you know uh, Josh Dobbs to a terrible interception the other night overthrew his guy down by the goal line um, Mason Rudolph had some drops by his receivers uh, Xavier Grimble dropped a, what could have been a really nice gain over the middle uh, Rudolph put the ball right on the money in stride on his hands it was wide open and he dropped it um, I think so. I think Mason's had a better preseason. And also, Tim, they drafted this kid in the third round last year after they drafted Dobbs in the fourth round the year before. They had a first-round grade on him when they drafted him in the third round. The th the th he was third-string uh, third last year behind Dobbs, and I think that's because Dobbs had the experience and they're in a win-now mode. However, if they're going to find out about Mason Rudolph, he needs to be number two because the number three quarterback doesn't get much practice time. That sounds silly, but, you know, when Ben's practicing with the offense, the number two guy is doing this what we call the scout uh, team stuff, which is working against the Steelers' regular defense, and the number three guy sits there and watches. So they really need to find out about him, and I, I think he'll be number two this year. Because we're certainly at the point where uh, Ben can't play forever. You see Tom Brady in his 40s still playing, but but that's certainly the exception and not the rule. Um, you said they had Mason Rudolph as a, as a first-round grade when they took him in the third round. I mean, I would think the idea is eventually he's the one, not Dobbs, that they envision leading this club You know, once once Ben moves on. Is that fair to say? Well, he is, but... Um you know, all bets are off on that. Ben, you know, Ben is signed through 2021. Hey, circumstances can change that. It could cut it short, you know, an injury. I saw Terry Bradshaw at age, what was he, 34, 35, come up with an elbow injury, and that was that. 
so you never know with a quarterback when he gets up in age, he's more susceptible to those injuries. Nevertheless, uh, let's say he plays through 2021. Um, that's, uh, uh, tw- or, I'm sorry, it's 2022. Yeah, then 20, 20, 21, 22. Um, you know, Mason Rudolph will be through his rookie co- contract, and they'll either have to sign him again or he's going to go somewhere else and play. Yeah, it'll be decision time at that point, and I guess at least they'll have a lot of uh, – they'll know what they have, certainly, four years down the road um, for sure. Um, let's talk. Th- so we talked about depth as far as the quarterbacks go. Depth is going to be key for this team in a couple of different positions, I think. Um, some of them for good reasons and some of them for not so good reasons. Let's start with the, uh, the lack of depth at the tight end position because it seems like they're an injury away, Ed, from, from not having any tight ends. Yeah, Tim, uh, Vance McDonald, I think, can be a, one of the better tight ends in the league, and he caught 50 passes last year and, you know, uh, was just a brute, and I think it, that can increase this year and you can become more of a focal point in that offense, especially with Jesse James gone. You know, they kind of split up the catches last year. Well, that's good news and bad news. Good for Vance that he's going to get more play, but they don't really have much of anything behind him. So I fully expect them uh, to look either to trade for one here uh, coming up or uh, get somebody off a waiver wire. Now, finding good tight ends is is difficult. So um, we'll see what, you know, if somebody releases someone, someone he's going to have flaws, but they they have a lot of flaws behind uh, Vance McDonald right now. This is the time of year, right, when cuts start to happen. You, you just try to find some somebody that didn't fit onto somebody else's roster that fits yours, and, and maybe that's a good spot. But mention a tight end. There's going to be a lot of that, right? The Steelers aren't the only one looking for tight end depth right now. No, that's right. Um, you know, uh, it, it you almost have uh, – in baseball, you know, with the way trades were made and maybe sometimes still are, you find a – to try and fill one of your weaknesses with somebody else uh, that has a weakness of its own that you can each strengthen each other. So maybe if there's someone out there who needs, I don't know, a, a, an offensive lineman, not a starter, uh, maybe a good backup, um, you could work some kind of deal uh, if they have an abundance of, of tight ends. But that's hard to do. It really is, Tim. And, you know, I, it probably what it will come down to is they'll just uh, – uh, pick up somebody off waivers, although you could also see them trading. They've done it in the past at cornerback. They never got anybody in here any good, but they made trades for cornerback. <laughs> in fact, that's how they got uh, Vance McDonald in the first place. They traded with San Francisco for him two years ago. At the beginning of the podcast, we talked a little bit about the receiver position, Antonio Brown, and the fact that they had to fill that hole. A year ago, they ended up having to fill the production of Le'Veon Bell, and James Conner stepped in and and really did a tremendous job doing that. So let's talk about running back depth on this roster this year. Conner's back. Um, He was injured late in the season. You'd like to have a few more guys in the mix getting important carries to just kind of take the load off of Connor a little bit. I know he can be a workhorse, but how does that kind of lay out right now? Because you have Jalen Samuels, you have a rookie and Benny Snell Jr. How have the running backs as a group looked to you so far this summer? Well, I think Benny, or I'm sorry, Jalen Samuels has looked uh, 
good. Um, he, he looks like he's coming into uh, his own a little more. He didn't run the ball much at North Carolina. He was primarily a receiver, and they will use him that way uh, this year, but I think they're going to have a little more faith in him that he can spell Connor here and there as a running back. You know, uh, he, he had to do that for three games last year at the end when Connor uh, missed time with a high ankle sprain. So, uh, and he had 140-some yards against New England, did a real nice job. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be okay with those first two. So far, Benny Snell, I think, has been a little bit of a disappointment. Fourth-round pick, uh, he's a kind of a, an old-school running back, you know, puts his head down, gets low, charges into the pile, and gets you those short yards. And that's what we thought um, he would do here. He had a little problem Saturday night picking up some yards, but he was running with the second and third offensive line. So I, I think those three will be in uh, on the team. Uh, Benny Snell, uh, we have to see a little more of yet, but I, the, the first two, especially Connor, uh, are, are good for them. So they're in a good position as far as running back goes. We've talked a lot about the offense. We got to talk a little bit about the defense as well. Um, it's a defense that returns a lot from a year ago from a defense that was not one of the tops in the league, but they're hoping to take steps this year to get back to being kind of a, I think you could call it a classic Steelers defense. This is a franchise that has been led by defense for the most part over the years. They went out, they got Devin Bush in the first round, and I know there's a lot on this guy at linebacker to be a big part of this defense to step in right away. And it sounds like so far this summer he has not disappointed it. No, he's um, you know he he got a little dinged up the other night, but he'll be okay. Uh, his debut in that first preseason game was spectacular. He had ten tackles. They had um, twenty-two total in the first half, and he had ten ten of those tackles. Um, he he's the real deal. I, I think uh, they know that already, and he's going to start from the get-go. Um, they really lost nothing from last year's defense, and they added three key pieces. So they should be better. And those three, um, you know, is our Devin Bush. Uh, they signed Mark Barron, who was a starting linebacker for the Super Bowl uh, runners-up uh, uh, Los Angeles Rams last year and has been a starter there for a while. And uh, Steven Nelson, a, a, a cornerback, uh, they gave a lot of money to in free agency. So... Those three should help this defense. It, it It is on the brink of being a really maybe one of the better defenses in the league. And I know probably people out there maybe even rolling their eyes because they remember, let's say, the Jacksonville playoff game where they lost 45-42. But they've come a long way since then. They would have been one of the top defenses in the league last season if they could have picked off a few more passes, Tim. They had only eight and that tied a franchise low. This franchise has been around since 1933. And the previous low of eight was set in the 40s when they only played 11 games. Mm -hmm. You know, they play 16 now. So they'll, that, they'll increase that this year. So uh, they tied for the uh, lead in sacks last year, uh, led the league in sacks two years ago. So I, I think it's, it's going to be a really good defense, and it's going to have to be if they want to uh, – you know, dip their toes back in that Super Bowl hunt. 
turnover so big in the NFL and being able to turn it over and then protecting it on the other side as well. Uh, one more thing about Bush. He's just a rookie, obviously, so he can do a lot. But what about off the field? Is he a guy that you envision maybe not as a rookie, but as he gets into his career being one of those real leadership type linebackers that that I think every defense would love to have that guy that is almost like an extension of the coaching staff at the linebacker position? Yeah, I think so, Tim. They, it, you know, he's a very vocal out there. They're going to give him the helmet that has the uh, radio receiver in it so he can call the plays. You know, that's unusual for a rookie yeah. to have that helmet, and uh, that shows what kind of uh, faith they have in him that he, he can handle that role, Tim. All right, so from the standout linebacker to another guy that struggled a little bit, Sutton Smith, where is he at right now on the sixth-round pick? And it seems like it just hasn't clicked for him at this level. Well, there's a reason he was a sixth-round pick. Sixth-round picks are uh, – the odds are stacked against them, Tim. Uh, yeah. More often than not, they don't make the team. They're, they're looking at uh, practice squad stuff, and he's undersized. That's one reason – he was picked in the sixth round. Now he's hurt. Um, I really think maybe a little too much was made of him early on. Uh, I'm talking about guys like uh, me, although I didn't do it uh, in the media, um, because he was taking some snaps at fullback in the spring, and it was a good story. But he's got a long way to go. I, I really. I don't think he's going to make the 53-man roster. I think you'll see him on the practice squad at best. And then a guy that needed to have a good spring was Chris Boswell. And just talk about that situation and his standing. And is he on a pay, on a track right now where you see him being the kicker for this team for 16 games? I do. Um, okay. You know, that – that, that could change uh, if he starts shanking some the way he did last year. But he's he's shown a really a good attitude in camp toward this competition, if you want to call it that. Really, the competition is not with uh, with the other kid right that they bought in. It's with it's Chris Boswell versus Chris Boswell, um, and that uh, that has gone well for him. Uh, I don't know what happened last year. It was so spectacular in 2017, and then just went off the charts in 2018 the wrong way. Um, uh, he has boomed them deep and accurately, both in uh, uh, training camp practices and in games, and I, I really do think uh, there's little doubt at this point that he's going to be the kicker. Ment mental games seem to be bigger for kickers, obviously, in the NFL than, than maybe other position. You get in a rut, like maybe he did last year, and things just kind of spiral out of control for you. But it's good to see him back and, and booming those kicks like we've seen him do it in the past. And that's going to bring us towards the end here, Ed, of our, our first podcast, our first edition of the Immaculate Podcast. What do you think? You, you enjoying the podcast game? You did a great job, Tim. Um, <laughs> Like I said, people can uh, save this, put it up in the shelf, listen to it every once in a while, and then years later, the, it's like a first printing of a book. This will be worth something. It will be a classic. You can blow the dust off of it a few years from now and, and take another listen. All right, well, I just steal the ship. All the great information comes from Ed Bouchette. Uh, thanks for coming on, Ed. You're going to be with us um, probably every Monday, the first 
episode of each week pretty much then Mark Caboli will be joining us for the next episode so he'll be on with us later on this week make sure you tune in make sure you follow the podcast and every time we drop a new episode you'll be alerted through the app here at The Athletic also follow Ed on Twitter you probably already do but if you don't it's at Ed Bouchette B-O-U-C-H-E-T-T-E that's going to do it episode one in the books The Immaculate Podcast Thank you.